I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you this morning? Hey, guys. Hey, Micah. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I have a coffee ready to go. We have an amazing guest that's joining us today, and we are thrilled to reveal who that person is, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And if you're new or newer, just a reminder, we are thrilled to just welcome you. It's a joy to come into your homes, your earbuds, wherever you're listening from. We release a new episode of this podcast every Monday morning and exciting that we've just passed a hundred episodes. We're kicking off into season seven now, pretty crazy. And, um, you know, we just want to say thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, wherever you're listening to this content and sharing this with people that you believe would benefit from the message. And Micah, will you mix it up and introduce our guest to the show today? Oh my gosh. Well, this person is just one of my favorite people, whether they know it or not. (laughs) It is just an honor and privilege to first and foremost, say hello to Tommy Newberry. Welcome, Tommy. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Looking forward to being with you for the next little while here. That is incredible. Well, for those of you who do not know who Tommy Newberry is, he is an author of seven books, including the New York Times bestseller. One of my favorite books is The 4-8 Principle and the motivational classic Success is Not an Accident, both of which have been translated into dozens of languages. Incredible. So he is a wordsmith when it comes to encouraging people, but also using the word of God to do that. So Tommy, welcome to YoungAdults.today. We are so thrilled to have you. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. It's exciting. And just a quick story of how we stumbled across you, Tommy, and your books, your material. I worked for Cedar Valley Church for a number of years, the church, you know, the church that we met at and the church I grew up at. And our pastor that I had growing up, Jerry Stranquist, one day got a box of books from a publisher. He thought it was a mistake. He tried to return them and they insisted, nope, these are for you. They're a gift. And so sure enough, he handed out to our staff, to anybody who would meet with them. I think I was interning at the time and he would just hand him a book of the 4-8 principle. And I remember reading it, um, our staff read it together. And, you know, then we got to the process where we were dating, Mm -hmm. engaged, married. We both read it. Our parents, our family, our friends have all heard us talk about the Mm 4-8 principle. We did your 40 day Mm -hmm. joy challenge, which we'll talk more about later, but We just are, it's funny how randomly sometimes books come across our path and it's almost just meant to be. That's right. That is awesome. Um, I hear that almost that exact same story. So that was, it seems like a good move on the publisher's part to get the (laughs) boxes into the right hands. They're doing their job well. And I'll just say this, Tommy, could you just dive into the episode today and start by sharing maybe some of your your journey of life, your story of faith, and maybe leadership with us and the listener today? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to grow up in a Christian home, number one, and that mm-hmm. was a great blessing. And from kindergarten through fourth grade, I went to a Christian school. And one of the things that really impacted me then was the requirement to memorize scripture. Wow. And 
while I didn't keep that going the rest of my childhood, I picked it back up uh, early in my 20s, and now it's something that I really recommend. But I had my mom's mom, um, so my grandmother, we called her Lily, and uh, she is the one who introduced me to Philippians 4.8. She also introduced me to Charles Swindoll and um, a no number of other pastors, but in particular, she gave me a bookmark with Philippians 4.8 on it. And this is where, as you know, the Apostle Paul says, whatever is lovely, pure, true, gracious, just, if there's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, If depending on the translation uh, that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And so I had that in my Bible throughout high school, and then I took it to college. And so nothing much really happened with it, but it was on this bookmark. And so then when I ended my baseball career and I, I decided instead of coaching baseball, I was going to coach people, um, I started coaching individuals, and then that led to coaching couples. And then one Sunday morning, I was actually doing a, I was, believe it or not, I was single, and I was delivering a Sunday school class for couples, and I was... I forget the exact topic, but at one point, just kind of out of the blue, just sprung up in me, I quoted Philippians 4.8. And then nothing much happened, but a, a few months later, somebody from that Sunday school class wrote me a note and said, you won't believe the difference this made in our relationship. Wow. And so she was writing that note, you know, to a single guy, um, soon to be married, but I, I was still single at the time. And then it just occurred to me that that has such relevance, focus on the good stuff. You know, if I put it in modern day vernacular, it's focus on the good stuff. Right. And I realized how powerful that would be in relationships and parenting, but also in business. And it just, yeah. it, it, it amazed me um, the difference that a shift in attention could create mm -hmm. as far as appreciation, joy, fun, fulfillment, and really being a great example that draws other people to ask you, hey, what's going on with you? What, what's different about you? Why are, why are you happy and smiling when so much junk is going on? Right. And, and that kind of, it's become the pillar. So I, I knew after that call, I said, someday I'm going to write a book on this verse. And, you know, it was a decade later before... Wow the 4-8 principle came out. But I think it's become kind of my life mission to, mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought in 2007 or six when I was writing it, that the world could not need that verse any more than it needed it right then. Fast forward. <laughs> but now it's like each, as each year passes, it becomes more and more relevant. Right. Not less and less. And really it's not just Philippians 4-8, it's really everything. Uh, in the scriptures, but that's kind of where my vision and focus has been. That's incredible, Amazing. Tommy, to know that you've had significant people speak into your life um, from being raised in a Christian home to having a grandmother and just to having a little notebook or a little uh, bookmark that had an inspiring word of scripture on there and to know that God is always using people. And for our listeners today, God is using you where you're at. We just want to encourage you to, yeah. to lean into what God is giving you and to steward the small things and to not, you know, 
you know, be discouraged of where you think that you want to be or where you need to be, but just lean into the word of God, because like Tommy just said, it took him 10 years, you know, a decade to get that book out and, and to see it still being so successful today. And so relevant is the word that God's word does not come back void. And Tommy, I would just follow that question. And maybe you kind of already alluded to it a little bit. Is there any specific event in your life that caused you to pursue joy and study joy to the extent that you have? Well, first of all, let me go back to the to what you just commented on in the bookmark is I think those are seeds. You know, I think wow. that was a seed and it wasn't just my grandmother, but she stands out to me because we might have had the, the deepest and most consistent conversations about faith. But the bookmark was a seed that was planted and then it was kind of nurtured fortunately, by other life experiences. Mm-hmm. But I kept looking at it, and it's, it's the power of what you keep looking at. But I think if the, the joy, what I saw, it was, it was clearly, now I understand it so much bigger and broader, but it was clearly working with couples. So as I alluded to, I started working with couples while I was still single. And I wasn't working with them on how to have a great marriage. Um, you know, I wasn't qualified for that but I was working with them on how to be focused and how to have a unified direction and how to grow together in the same direction. And so it usually started with me working with a husband or wife, usually the husband. And he'd, he'd say something like, you know, this has been so helpful to me in my business. It it seems like this would apply at home. And he said, would you, could we get, if I ground up some couples, could you kind of share these ideas and make them apply to home? And so we did it, and then that's when the 4-8 message started standing out as something interesting because it related to joy. And some pe- I think there's, a, there's definitely a cultural misconception, but mm-hmm. it's, unfortunately, it's still in, in a large chunk of the Christian community, which is, if I get these things right, if I do this and do that, or accomplish that and ac- accomplish that, then I'll have joy. Right. And what I realized is joy is the way. You know, it's, it, you, you choose, joy helps you produce a better relationship. Joy helps you sell more. Joy helps you teach better. Joy helps you engage better and build better relationships. You don't build better relationships and then have more joy. Right. You, you exude joy and that helps you attract and become and resonate with people who are like-minded, who share your vision. Yeah, we're talking, by the way, with Tommy Newberry. Tommy's a coach, an author, and I think that if you are finding yourself in a season and you're listening right now, stumbled across this somehow, and you are struggling, maybe it's in the midst of the pandemic globally, maybe it's coming out of COVID-19, maybe depression, anger, anxiety, maybe even suicidal thoughts have have come across your path. We just want to let you know that hope exists out there. Joy is in your future and that it's not even an accident that you're listening to this episode right now. And we want to lean into this idea that mental health matters. It's important to me. It's important to Micah. Mm -hmm. Tommy, we know this is important as a subject to you and to the listener today that anxiety is off the charts in our world. Same with mental health challenges. We're coming out of a global pandemic. And 
Can we just have you lean in there for a second to share a few thoughts for the young leader listening, for the young learner, um, on the importance of mental health? Yes, I, you know, there's um, the mental health is so critical because it leads to emotional health. Um, you cannot be emotionally strong, emotionally healthy without being mentally healthy. Wow. And I think particularly in the non-Christian world, the secular world, it's emotional health, mental health, but they, they don't connect it with, with uh, what you're thinking from a moment to moment, uh, on a moment to moment basis. And that's, that's why the apostle Paul gave us Philippians 4.8 is because it bypassed the biochemistry of the brain. It bypassed the electrical connections. It bypassed all of modern day psychology and psychiatry and get straight to the point. God wants you to be full of joy so you will attract others to the kingdom. In order for you to be full of joy, you need to focus on what's lovely, pure, true, excellent, and worthy of praise. And why am I telling you this? If, like if I'm the Apostle Paul, I'm telling you this because you're living in a world that is a mixture of good and bad. Yeah. On any given day, there's, you could make a solid argument that the world stinks and there's no hope. Mm -hmm. And on any given day, you could make a solid argument that things are about to turn, that this is the best time to be alive and that your future is going to be bigger and brighter than ever before. You can make either one of those arguments. And so Paul knew that we were not hopelessly negative, but he knew we were also not automatically positive. Therefore, he said to himself, this is me interpreting the thought process, what is the most succinct piece of advice that will be practical for the ages? Hmm. And that is, Finally, wrapping up his, his message, finally, brothers and sisters, you, there's lots of things you can focus on. Mm -hmm. Focus on what is true, lovely, brilliant, and pure. And so when it comes to thought life, that's something that has the ripple effect. No area of our life is untouched by our thinking. Wow. Mm -hmm. and, and so we work on our thinking like we work on our daily to-do list. You know, we, if, if you're an effective person, you probably have a to-do list for the day. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be in charge of your emotional life, you just may need a to-think list. So you can be reminded that you're going to be stimulated to think about all these things that will pull you away from God and pull you away from faith and pull you away from joy. But if you will, you can glance at those things but you've got to gaze on what's excellent and true and brilliant and noble and of good rapport. You've got to lose yourself. You've got to marinate in those things. And I think the best way to do it is what we call bookends is start the day and end the day. I mean, if you're going to be negative, be negative at lunch. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> If you're going to lose your joy, lose it in the middle of the day, but it won't even be a problem if you will just start and finish each day with God and not just with God directly and overtly, but in making sure that you're lining up your thinking mm -hmm. in a way that is consistent with God's promises. And mm -hmm. that's where I think Philippians 4.8 is, is so powerful because it is so to the point. 
super yeah. practical. Absolutely. But it takes that discipline factor to want it, to choose it every day and to lean into our own thinking and to reevaluate, wow, I'm a very negative person or a very positive person, but then taking a look at who am I surrounding myself with? How do I interact with other people or how do I emotionally or physically or relationally respond to other people's behaviors? Cause that can be taxing for some people too, for sure. on top of anything else that they may be going through. And I know that Tommy, I just want to say thank you for all the material that you've done because Josiah introduced me to this probably what, five years ago yeah. we were dating. I was back in school for ministry as a full-time student and I was working at a gym. So I was up at 3.30 in the morning to open nice. the doors at 5 a.m. and then have Greek class at 8 a.m. And Josiah's like, do you want to do something with me? It's called the 40 Day Joy Challenge. And I'm like, I wasn't in a very joyful mood. I'm like, okay, well, we'll try it. <laughs> and I'll say that it was just, it completely brought joy into my studies. I invited God into Lord, like help me to enjoy Greek, which is a deadly language that not many people, you know, speak only the people who are majoring in this really know what's going on. So learning how to read it, translate it, study it. I'm like, Lord, bring joy into every area of my life that I don't naturally thrive in. And my attitude completely changed. My grade got better. My attitude got better. My thinking got better. And there was just more joy in recognizing the privilege to have an education and to go back to school and to be in a dating relationship and to be in a university again. And just really unwind all the negative, you know, thought processes and rewire some of those areas of my personal mind. And I know that it's affected other people in that process. Um, well, it's like the, that there, there you gave a great example of how joy was a multiplier. In other right. words, you made a decision to turn into joy, mm -hmm. to tune into joy, and then your grades got better and so on and so on. And it yeah. was a ripple effect. And, and so, you know, maybe if I were to retitle the book, I would say joy first, mm -hmm. you know, you know, make joy the priority. There is another verse that I think is very relevant that is compact that I have, I've just only recently been talking a lot about it, but it's in first Thessalonians five, but it's like a entire message. You may know what I'm referring to, but it begins with, as you might guess, be joyful always and again i say rejoice that one <laughs> uh close close be joyful always <laughs> pray continually oh. give thanks in all things for this is god's will for you and when you think about that the the charge by god is be joyful always mm -hmm. and i sometimes for fun i did this last week i re i put this up on the screen temporarily and i say be joyful most of the time you know, and I paraphrase the entire verse. Be joyful most of the time. Pray when it's convenient. Give thanks if you're not crazy busy. <laughs> wow. But sometimes that hearing what's not true right. makes you more convicted of what is true. Yeah. And I found it's a great way to teach others is to show how people may apply a scripture or any life principle they may apply it in a sloppy fashion. And when they see the ridiculousness, which is hard to say, of that, then it kind of brings them back to the truth. It brings them back to the point, but back to the actual version. So be joyful always. Mm -hmm. So that's God's 
That's his command, be joyful always. Not most of the time, not some of the time, but be joyful always. That's a tall order. I like it. It's ambitious. It means it also tells me God wants us to think big and do big and dream yeah. big yeah. because be joyful always. How are we going to pull that off? Fortunately, he tells us in the same few words, pray continually. Amen. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, not for every circumstance. Hmm. But in every circumstance, give thanks. So if you're in the middle of lockdowns and your life's turned upside down, you don't have to be grateful for that, but be grateful for everything else that you'd hate to wake up without tomorrow morning. And that's a long list, and it always outnumbers the things that are uh, out of kilter with your life. And then the final piece of this is the why. Why should I go to this trouble? because it's God's will. It's what God wants for you. So to me, that is a condensed sermon wow. on the importance of joy and how to bring it about in your own life. That's so good. Tommy, what would you say to the person who maybe it feels like they're in a rut that maybe have not experienced that breakthrough moment of joy, or maybe even choosing to study the concept of joy and to lean into who and what God truly has for them. Do you believe that there's breakthrough for everyone? And what would you say to that person stuck in that rut currently? Uh, yeah, I do believe there's an opportunity for everybody to break through, to break out first and then break through. And I think number one, they, they stick to the basics, mm -hmm. you know, so they're, they keep their connection with God constant. They stay connected as much as they can during the day. So that's from the beginning. We call it your early morning joy ritual. You know, what getting up in the morning and making sure in mind, body, and spirit that you are setting the proper foundation for the day. But then it shouldn't end there. It should really be an ongoing conversation that most of the world would think we're kind of cuckoo, but an ongoing conversation at least inside our own head, mm -hmm. if not verbally, you know, when we're in the car, where we're just having an ongoing conversation and we're connected to the vine because honestly, we lose the joy when we're disconnected. Mm -hmm. So, all right, so then what do you do to break out of a rut? Well, you definitely want to pray about it. You want to brainstorm about it, but really you want to do some practical things, which is change up the way you're living. Uh, get up earlier if you've been getting up later. Uh, these are some physical environmental things. So long-term, we want to be moved and inspired from the inside out. Mm -hmm. But to break out of ruts, we sometimes need to leverage from outside in. So we need to listen to something different. We need to watch different things. We need to hang around different people. If we normally read a lot, we should listen a lot. If we normally watch a lot, we should read a lot. If we normally ride our bikes a lot, we should walk. We should take a different route to where we're going. We should shop at a different place. We should read a different translation of the Bible. We should listen to different music. In other words, change it up, mix it up, and then assume that you're going to get the breakthrough. So if, if you wake up and you're gloomy, in, in your posture, if you're gloomy in your choice of words, you may just miss the breakthrough that's waiting for you. Right. So if you believe in a breakthrough, 
act like you believe in it, wake up with a smile on your face when you're finished with your prayer time, uh, imagine God whispered to you, I hear you. Mm. You know, I'm taking care of you. Trust me. If you heard that, if we heard that physically just the way I said it, if God was in physical presence where we could see him and we heard that, we'd be, we'd break out of any rut. We would be completely free. We would be positioned to be our best self. So we, we need to just trust. The Bible says he hears us. The Bible says he wants mm -hmm. us to be joyful always. He's not going to want us to be joyful always and then not give us a path to doing that. So I have to assume that if I'm not joyful, it's not God's fault. I'm probably tunnel vision on the things that are frustrating or irritating mm -hmm. to me or things that I'm disappointed with. I mean, one way to distinguish between a joyful person and somebody who's not joyful is the joyful person pays excessive attention to their blessings. The person who has lost their joy pays excessive attention with their thoughts in their mouth to their disappointments and dissatisfactions. Oof, that's good. And, and, and they may hide it from everybody else, but they're riding along in the car and they're rehearsing or replaying their grievances, their issues, their challenges, their problems. And we can, we, you know, you can be very compassionate to somebody and say, you know, we don't blame you for that, but because I understand you're in a tough spot, but it, you've got to seize control of your thought life. And when you do that, what God can do in your life and through you is has no ceiling at all. Mm -hmm. I love oh it. Oh my gosh, that is inspiring. And Tommy, it's such a treat to talk to you right now because I've been there as a person in, in life where, man, things look dark. It's life can be challenging, there's struggles. And my focus at times has gone to the very negative. I've shared on the show in other episodes of how at a very young age, fifth grade through eighth grade, I had probably some anxiety and some really brutal tension headaches for mm -hmm. three years. And that's something that God's healed me of. That's part of what I believe is one of the one or two of the greatest proofs in my own life of God's existence mm -hmm. is that I'm here today. I'm breathing. I've been able to hold on to hope. I've chosen joy. And God's really given me the ability to, to do that, to hold on to hope, to choose joy. And not only that, but I just look at the fact that I've been in a dark place and now I am filled with joy. And if that isn't a proof of the existence of God, I don't know what could convince a person that there is. And so for the person struggling, I would just say, man, what Tommy's talking about of your, mm -hmm. he sometimes says your mental diet, the thoughts that you choose to think about, it's really significant. And now that we have a baby on the way and an 11 month old at the time of recording this, Tommy, I've started to think of what am I passing along to the next generation? And as I journal, as I write to our daughter, one of the things I pray most is that she'd learn how I think because my mind was once not a healthy place to be, but now it is a healthful place. It is a helpful place and it's a holy place. And something that I came across in the 4-8 principle is how you talk about how many thoughts we have a day, like 50,000 thoughts, 60,000 thoughts. And then a lot of them are repeat thoughts, 
like yesterday. A lot of them still are negative thoughts. And then you just say, hey, hang on a second, time out. Mm -hmm. Stop and think about what you're thinking about. And I've done that self inventory. Mm -hmm. And I'll just show you real quick. These are from 2017. Some of my joy challenge notes. There's this. I love it. And, and I just am looking at day three, day four. It says today, my one thing, you, you tell us to get real practical. Mm-hmm. What's your one thing that you're going to change? And I go, here's the 10 things I'm thankful for. And that's just a practical way to focus on the blessings right. instead of, you, you, to quote you, you say, I have thousands of blessings and maybe dozens of problems. And I just, I want to lean into this idea of the 40 day joy challenge. Our parents have done it. Mm -hmm. Our families have done it. We've done it. um, I've done it probably every year, the past five years. But um, if someone wants a lift in their daily devotional life, Micah described earlier, maybe that person is in a rut. They're, they're facing a challenge, maybe like they're facing a plateau in their faith or their walk Mm -hmm. with God or just thought life. Uh, can they still participate in this? And will you tell us a little bit about the 40 day joy challenge? Yes. The, um, the, the 40 day joy challenge can be accessed at joychallenge.com, just like it sounds. And it's a 40 day video devotional that really coaches you to change your thinking patterns over that 40 day window. Yep. The difference between the 40 day joy challenge and the book that it has a similar title called uh, 40 days to a joy filled life. Or there's actually today, as we're recording this, there is a re uh, renewed book, uh, a re-released of the uh, 40 days to a joy filled life called the daily guide to a joy filled life. And it's going to be at all the choice book stands, you know, in the airports and the drugstores and all that kind of stuff. But the the joy challenge, the reason it's different than a book is because you are in a process Mm -hmm. and it's habits. So you could read a book, you could sit down with the 4-8 principle, let's say, and read it in the evening or two evenings. That is awesome. But what we do with the 40-day joy challenge is we drip. It's like an IV drip. And an IV drip gradual release, like some of our vitamins, you know, sustained release. It, you can get a little bit in you right away and then the rest of it kind of seeps in over time. That's how we change. That's now, good. how else could we do that? If we don't do the 40 day joy challenge, we could get together with a small group and each week maybe cover a chapter and go deep on a chapter, a meaningful chapter and, and dialogue about it, write about it, I love the exercises, you know, that you have those notes because mm-hmm. it's really, we need to ponder, we need to talk, and we need to write. Mm. And the, that's the way that you change your thinking. You can't just change your thinking because you want to change your thinking. Just like you can't say, I want to get fit and then pray and <laughs> amazingly, you know, you've gotten fit. You still have to get outside or get on the elliptical and do the work. So you ought to pray about getting fit, Mm -hmm. uh, mentally fit, physically fit, spiritually fit, but you still have to do the exercises. So the 40 day joy challenge gives you the exercises and it slows the process of learning so that it's sticky over a long period of time. 
That's so good. And for the listener, we will put all this in the show notes so you can get your book, you can get your copy, you can get the new version of everything that Tommy's talking about right here. Totally. But Tommy, we've come to one of our favorite parts of our time with you. You alluded to the fact that you used to be a baseball player. So are you ready for a home run derby? Um, Absolutely. Always ready. (laughs) Always ready. Okay. So we have- for the fences. Five in five, meaning five questions in less than five minutes. Are you up for the challenge? Yeah. So, so you're giving me five minutes for each question. <laughs> well, that's. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. One I'm minute kidding. for each oh my one. Gosh. If you got the time, we got the ears to listen. So, that is All your. Right, shoot. All right. Question number one: If you could describe your soul right now in three words, what three words would you use to describe it? This might take up the whole five. Um, I would say agitated, grateful, and excited. There we go. Agitated because I think there's so much work to be done. There seems to be so much upside downness, so much foolishness going on that that agitates me. But you can use that agitation as a good thing. And then grateful because despite the foolishness that surrounds us, there is so much to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm excited about the future, the next week, next month, next decade. That's good. We got a home run, one home run. Okay. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball too, Tommy. And uh, Micah was a personal trainer. And I think about muscle confusion for a second because sometimes you hit a plateau and you had talked about switching things up. Like they do that in the gym or in practice. So just do the same thing, switch up your, your routine, keep it different. And so this is a slightly different spin. Um, but why do you believe the faith of the next generation and things like young adult ministry are so important? Well, it's, it's always been important. I think it's more important now than ever. Uh, Sometimes that phrase now more now than than ever before is overused, but I really don't think it's over. It's, if there was a better way to say it that, that expressed more emphasis, I would, I would like to know what that is. But I believe there is so much um, confusion about what is true and what is not true wow. that is leading to a lot of the mental health issues. You know, we can say, mm-hmm. oh, oh, well, you're, you know, the lockdown or, you know, people's dreams and opportunities were either uh, cut or delayed or whatever it is. But honestly, this is a test for all of us mm-hmm. because if you're, you, we need to be prepared for the storms, you know, in life, wow. there are going to be storms and whether it's COVID or something else or a relationship issue, a financial issue, a job issue, some kind of loss, we have to be prepared for it. And I think so many young people today for whatever reason, we couldn't get that in in the home run derby, but uh, they're just not equipped. So we need young people that are close enough in age to the young people that they can relate to them, but who also realize the void, the the omissions that have happened in these young people's lives and pour into that. Because the like my generation, even the one one or two after me, we, we had my school, my church, and my home were all reinforcing truth and mm. the right message. Wow. And now there may not be any in those three areas, or maybe it's only at home. But, but once kids start to be teenagers, they're not at home most of the time. So True. they're getting poured into by the wrong sources. Therefore, 
uh, those that are working with young people, those who are young in the church, have a high, high responsibility to pour truth into those who are up and coming because they may not get it anywhere else. That is a great way to look at it. Wow. All right. Here's the curveball. Are you ready for question number three? Ready. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would that question be? Anything. It keeps us on our toes. What makes you come alive uh, where you could work all night, work all day, and not sleep? What, what gives you that kind of spiritual, emotional, and mental energy? Hmm. I think for me, there's a few things. One of them is, is writing, um, similar to you. Uh, another is um, investing in young leaders. I think when I see, when I pray with a young person and hear their prayers, their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations, mm -hmm. um, it is difficult to explain what happens in my soul. Mm -hmm. I feel like I come alive when I visit a college or university campus. I feel like there's such hope and bright days to come within the next generation. And so, I mean, for me, when it's investing in the lives of young people or really taking what's been invested into me and reinvesting into them, I feel like it's not even work. I feel like I'm cheating. Like I found a cheat code and that I, I like you said, it gets me out of bed. It wakes me up. It keeps me up late at night. Micah knows that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Oh my gosh. And for me, I would say one is definitely spending time with young adult women who are wanting to experience those breakthroughs, who are wanting just to do life and to do life well. And in that, the topic of relationships and purity and um, how to date well, how to be single well, how to marry well. I, I love that topic. And <clears throat> just there's so much opportunity to speak into good and godly decisions versus the ways of the world. Um, so I love that part with young adult women. And the second one would be, I love um, projects around the house. So I'm like, Chip and Joanna Gaines, like I like the demo days and I like the decorating days. So fun stuff like that, like leaving people better than I found them and leaving spaces better than I found them. So those well, are see, two that, of my passions. That is such a, those are both great answers. And I think an exercise, if I put my coach's hat on is, hey, everybody, let's make a list right now. It can be on the back of a napkin or an envelope or whatever. Let's make a list of the things that make us come alive and energize us mm -hmm. and make sure we do them every week. If we can't wow. do them every day, make sure we do them every week. And that may not be a permanent solution, but if, if, we, if we're working, if we have work or we're not in work, but we're, our days are filled with things that we're not fired up about, that's okay. But we be a good steward doing those things for the time being while we look for something that's better for us in the long run. But in the meantime, let's use our discretionary time uh, and fill it with things that make us come alive because what the world needs, uh, you know, is more people who are alive, you mm -hmm. know, who are fully living, mm -hmm. uh, even right now, fully living. I think coming out of the pandemic or in the pandemic, I think too many people stopped living. Wow. Um, and, and that's, I'm talking more about living fully because of, I've never used that phrase until the pandemic. I just saw so many people stop living fully. And now is the time let's live fully and never, ever go back to living partially because, you know, when you know the truth, you know, there's worse things that could happen to you than, than this pandemic. And so we just need to understand that. Yeah. Tommy, it's amazing. And I picture like the walking dead 
sometimes people are walking and they feel like they're just going through the motions, mm-hmm. just showing up and dry bones or dead bones can be breathed on with new life and living. Yes. And, and so, yeah, that would be just our hope. Our prayer is exactly what you said. And this fourth question in the five and five, the home run derby back to you is a little bit off script, but something I've seen as I've read your website and your book, you have this 1% club or you're a coach to like some of the 1% leaders up in the world. And for a young leader who just wants to offer God first crack at their life, who wants to bring their best and, and grow in, in to maximize their gifts for the kingdom of God, whether it's business, the church, faith, nonprofit, whatever it is in their sphere of influence, what would you say you see separates the 1% from the crowd? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, the, the 1%, yeah, I'm not defining that as some people think in purely economic terms. Right. I'm defining it in, in, in terms of people who know where they're headed mm-hmm. and have a plan for getting themselves there. And it's a fraction of the population. It's even less than 1% who wow. have goals for their life, their career, their marriage, and a plan of action. So a lot of people want to have stronger faith. And I say, what's your plan? Mm -hmm. A lot of people want to generate more income or have more saved up. And I say, what's your plan? A lot of people want to have a more fun, passionate, exciting marriage. I say, what's your plan? Uh, I want to be more fit and healthy. And what's your plan? And what I find is there is a crazy lack of awareness Hmm. that we have to have a plan. I mean, goals are not enough. Goals are great. I love goals. I just invested 30 years of my adult life helping people set goals, but you've got to have a plan right. and for everything. And it's not about the plan. It's about the thinking process. So we're back to thought life, mm-hmm. the act, the process of creating a plan makes you, gives you greater discernment and helps you to make wiser decisions about what to say yes to in your life and what to say no to. Mm -hmm. So I have discarded many a plans, but I have never wasted the planning process. It has always benefited me. And so if you know what you're all about, what makes you come alive, what can be valuable in the sight of others, you know, what what the marketplace needs. So find something that the world needs Mm-hmm. become excellent at it and then re- find out what your most valuable activities are and do them over and over and over again. In other words, don't waste your days doing things that are fourth in importance, fifth in importance. Figure out what is your highest payback activity as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a pastor, as a husband as a wife, as a mom or a dad, what are your highest value activities and do them because it's real easy to squander our lives on the few things that don't really matter wow. rather than the one or two things or the many things that don't really matter, the many things that don't really matter, instead of zeroing in on the, the few things that make a huge difference. And mm-hmm. it's not always easy to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And when I'm tired, what do I naturally want to do? 
low payback activity, right? When, when you're fatigued, you mm. drift, or when you're down, you drift toward things that aren't really the most valuable use of your time. So top 1%, they know where they're going, they have a plan, and then they invest their days doing what will get them to the end result that they're shooting for. Absolutely love oh that. Oh my gosh, thank you, that's good. <laughs> All right, question number five. We're going to wrap up right here. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, if we handed you the mic, what would you leave them with today? I think I would, I think that's pretty easy. I think I would say, speak boldly, mm. speak the truth. I'll, I'll paraphrase that. Speak the truth boldly. Um, don't let what's going on in the world make you self conscious or fearful. Because what's happening now with, with, with maybe the, the truth being suppressed or people not being able to speak freely, that pales in comparison to what happened historically in many other places. Right. So we may not need to be on the battlefields with, with weapons uh, and artillery, but we need to be on the battlefield of ideas. We need to speak the truth. We need to be bold. And we need to follow the admonition in Romans to not be conformed mm -hmm. to the patterns, the habits, the mores of the culture, mm -hmm. that we instead need to do what's right in God's eyes. And there's only one place to find that. It's not from me. It's not from uh, an audio book or a podcast or a blog. It's from mm -hmm. the word of God. And yeah. so Amen. we need people who are speaking boldly. And I think what what's going to happen. And I don't see much of that, by the way, but what I think is going to happen is going to be like the kid in class who finally raises his hand. You know, there was no, nobody said they had a question. And then finally little Charlie raises his hand and he asked the question. Then everybody else puts up their, their hands. And so weirdly, I think we're living in a world where there's all these people that call themselves leaders, but they're actually followers. And so what we really need is be a leader. It was, it was Norman Schwarzkopf's first rule of leadership, which was when placed in command, take charge. He was the famous general from the first Gulf War. When placed in command, take charge. Speak the truth, be bold, allow others to follow you. Following the crowd or the culture is not being a leader. That's right. What a challenging, uh, thought-provoking charge to leave people with and conversation today. Mm -hmm. Tommy, we just want to say thank you for writing. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing truth, for speaking yes. boldly, for investing in people that maybe you've never met before, like Micah and I and a group of young adult ministry leaders. And we just couldn't thank you enough mm -hmm. for a great conversation today. Well, thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Yes. Wonderful. So fun. And guys, if you're listening right now, I would just challenge you go back and re-listen to any parts, take any notes that maybe the Holy Spirit spoke something that Tommy said, or Micah said, or I asked a question and um, maybe it was something that we didn't say that right. the Holy Spirit downloaded to your heart and your thought, do the work, do the challenging process of self-reflection. And you can find out more mm -hmm. about the 40 day joy challenge that we referenced, as well as the book, the four, eight principle and mm -hmm. all of Tommy's material at young today, as well as we'll link it in the show notes and we'll place it on social media at young today. Until next time, this is Micah and Josiah signing off with Tommy Newberry. 
Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.